You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brent McCoy. Good evening. Greg Hectus. Hey. Mason Stiver. Hey, Mike. Tony Groves, birthday boy. Good evening, gentlemen. David Hall. Happy birthday to you. John Hammer. Who's that guy? And special guest Jeff Figlin. Good evening, fellas. Hey. Well, welcome, everybody, for showing up. Got a big group tonight. Uh, let's jump right into it. It's been a busy week for being off-season. Uh, but let's get to know you a little bit, Jeff, uh, first, Jeff Figlin. Uh, so we'll go through a, a little Q&A here and ask you some questions. Uh, what brought you to iRacing initially, and how did you uh, first hear about it? Well, Mike, I uh, was in NASCAR Racing 2000, actually, I believe it was. Actually, it was NASCAR Racing 4, uh, and then I got 2002, and then 2003, and I was on that for a while, and then one day I just decided to try to find a um, simulator on the computer that I could get back into and race, and I was going to do uh, the ARCA Racing Series sim, um, and then I just stumbled across iRacing, and I started looking into it, and I started seeing a lot more about it with Dale Jr. and and TJ Majors and all that stuff. And I said, "Well, hey, I'm going to give this a shot." And uh, here I am. All right. Well, yeah, you've been around since 2010. I was just looking at your stats. Uh, your official oval stats win percentage 10.1 percent. That's pretty good. Well, it's a little inflated. Uh, I, I like to call myself a super speedway specialist. Um, so I race a lot of super speedway races, and I just get lucky an awful lot. Aha. Well, you and you and I are alike then. Uh, that's pretty cool. Well, tell us, uh, how often are you racing? Uh, you know, based on your numbers here, you're not racing official. So what are you racing? How often are you racing a week? Well, um, I mean, right now we're in the off season uh, for the leagues that I'm in. We're just starting. We just finished the recruitment series. Um, we'll be starting the the major series here coming up uh, in a couple weeks. But um, right now I haven't been doing that much racing. But uh, usually it's two, three times a week when uh, when everything's up and going. Okay, very good. Let's talk about that uh, league. Uh... It says here you're associated with OSRA Racing, uh, Online Sim Racing Association. Uh, tell us about them. It's a league that I started uh, a few years ago. Um, and starting December 7th, we'll be qualifying for our seventh season. Um, we're going to run the trucks, super speedway, open setups uh, here. But uh Got a couple buddies together, and I started up a league, and they unfortunately have all left, but uh, I've kept it going, um, and yeah, it was seventh season. All right, very good, and uh, uh, you can find it at facebook.com. Uh, you can search OSRA Racing, and that's how you find it, all one word. Uh, very cool. Um how is uh you know your signups for that? I mean, how, how do people get more involved? Is Facebook the place to go, or, or you also search it as a league page in iRacing? 
search it as a league page in iRacing, um, Facebook. Um, also, tomorrow night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, in the hosted section, there'll be the last recruitment race of this seventh season. Um, so we'll be at Daytona under the lights here to finish it off. But uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to start the practice uh, for the race to start at 10 p.m., just a short little 42-lap race. Um, and hopefully get a couple more guys. Uh, right now we got 32 committed for the season um, and hopefully to get a few more and have a good season. Well, 32, that's a good base for sure. Um, uh, it'd be nice to just round that out to 40 or more. Absolutely. Um, this year we I decided to, or this season, uh, we implemented charters, a charter system. So, um, Anybody that that obtains a charter will get uh, guaranteed start for every race. I got 37 charters marked. Uh, like I said, 32 of them are taken um, for a 40 truck field for the season. Uh, I mean, ultimately, my goal is to and has been to try to grow the league, uh, potentially get to more seasons, more series, different series, uh, things like that. But since I'm a super speedway guy, that's what we predominantly run. Um, but I'd like to grow. And, and one thing that really has always uh, intrigued me is to have a league and to where we have more than 40 guys and get to knockout qualifying. I would love to have a league with knockout qualifying. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, is there a way to manage that in iRacing with your charter idea where people are guaranteed to get into the race, but everyone else has to fight for, you know, however many spots are left? Unfortunately, iRacing doesn't have that option right now. Um, I don't even know if they'd be looking into it, to be quite honest. Uh, usually right. what I do when I have more than 40 guys um, that are signed up that I know are going to show up, um, I'll do, I do an, a Facebook event in our Facebook group, and if I get more than 40 confirmed to go, um, I run a separate qualifying session because you can make those as big as you want and you can share pit stalls. Um, and then I just reduce the, and then I, I set the starting lineup based on that qualifying setup. It's a lot of work, but uh, I really enjoy doing this. So, um, I just, and then I put the lineups together and that's who races. Yeah, it is tough to put a league together. We've been kind of talking about that the last several weeks. Uh, in fact, here at our team, we're looking for somebody to run a league, actually, so we can start our own. But um, it is a lot of work, as you say. Um, all right, very good. Well, tell us more about what are you, what is your setup uh, that you use as far as your wheels, pedals? Do you use monitors or VR, any third-party software? I, uh, I run three 24-inch uh, Asus monitors um, that are 144 hertz. And then I have a fourth monitor that I just had laying around. That's my telemetry monitor. Um, I have Club Sport V3 pedals with a Thrustmaster uh, T300RS wheel, uh, the Thrustmaster shifter, surround sound, butt kicker, um, that's about all I got right now, um, and I'm hoping to continue to grow it from there. Uh, one day I'd really like to build a, a nice rig. I just built something out of wood right now that it all sits on, but I'd like to I'd like to really do it and make it look cool. Out of wood, yeah, that's a something like Tony would do. Um, wooden duct tape. Yeah, wooden duct tape. Uh, where do you have the butt kicker mounted on that setup? 
I uh, actually, from a company I used to work for, I obtained a car seat, a brand new car seat. And on the frame, I made a bracket that has a metal tube on it. Um, so the butt kicker actually sits right behind my seat, mounted to the seat. Nice. So oh, it'll rattle it a bit, huh? Yeah, that's uh, and then with the V3s, you obviously got uh, with fan LED, you get the rumble of the pedals and and things like that. So uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I'd like to really add to it. I'd like to put it all out on all four corners so you can feel the tires spinning and things like that. But that's uh, another day and another dollar. Another dollar for sure. <laughs> all right. And uh, what are you doing on the fourth monitor? What are you showing up there? That's uh, just telemetry that I have. Um, I use the, uh, I used to have the app uh, Dash Meter Pro for my um, tablet, but uh, now I've, I've been contemplating with Z, Z1 Dash. Um, I've used the Logitech uh, embedded iRacing app. Uh, Logitech ARX, I believe it's called, something like that. Um, but I, I'm just trying to find something cool. I mean, sometimes I'll run uh, um, the iAnalyze software up there. So when I'm when I'm testing or setting up a setup, I have the, the graphs and everything up there so I can read it easily. Yeah, I have Z1 Dashboard. It's definitely worth it. It's, it's a paid product. Uh, and then the sim racing apps, I think, is a... The, a lot a lot of people are using it's free and it'll show you dashes and it's got a crew chief thing where you can see all this information it's pretty cool so check that out uh well cool and then what final question what's your most memorable iRacing moment so far um, I'm going to say my most memorable iRacing moment since 2010 is seeing in Facebook the iRacing podcast um, be put iRacers Lounge podcast being advertised everywhere and finally being asked to get on it. I was uh, there's been many, many times that I've looked at it to, to reach out to you guys and say, hey, you know, uh, like to talk to you guys and uh, you know, Mason joined our league this year and uh, asked me, hey, you want to come on here as a special guest? Absolutely. Well, cool. I'm glad to hear that, Jeff. That's uh, I'm very honored that you would pick that. Um, yeah, it is that easy. I mean, if you really want, you know, if you're a listener out there and you want to be on the show, you just have to find one of us and ask. And it's really easy. And a lot of people that are in this room right now, that's exactly how they got on the, the show as well. You know, ask David Hall or, or Brent McCoy or Mason or anybody. Well, well cool. We're happy to have you. Me. So, uh, and, and so one more time, your, face, your, your Facebook is OSRA Racing and uh, it's Online Sim Racing Association. Uh, guys, uh, it's the off season. Everybody needs a league right now. Uh, this sounds like a lot of fun. So check him out. Yep, I'll be there. Yeah, Mason, you're all signed up, and and I was, you know, I was, my uh, schedule is solidified with work, and so I'm kind of thinking about partnering up on some leagues with some teammates, and so I'll be talking to Mason about it as well. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on here, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Mike, and and Mason. Thanks for uh, reaching out to me on this. Um, yeah, I mean, check us out, guys. Uh, we got plenty of room, like I said. Uh, good group of guys that that we race with and and uh, i was very pleased with the uh the rush series that we had coming into 
uh, into what we call the Elite Series now on Friday nights here starting uh, next week, actually, is the qualifying. Um, so appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. All right. Uh, before we get into stories, uh, we'll talk about the OBRL, Old Bastard Racing, Old Bastards Racing League. Uh, we sponsor the Monday Night Arca Series over there. They had a huge field of 33 at USA. Another caution-filled race on a slick track. This was also the championship race with four drivers battling for the bragging rights. Uh, Kevin Pearson, Chris Monroe, Steve Thompson, and uh, Mike Schrader, who missed the race with a late birthday dinner. Steve Thompson qualified at the top of the board with Kevin second. Kevin Pearson got the jump on a green-white checkered finish to grab the, both the win and the championship. Nick Thames was second. Peter Kopko finished third. David Disjargin and John Held both shared the Hard Charger Award, gaining 15 spots. Uh, professional podcaster Chris Scales had a fabulous race starting 20th, finishing 11th. Tony Groves starting 22nd, finishing 18th. How was your run? Oh, well, um, you know, he mentioned a caution field, and it very well may have, but it, it, to me it really didn't seem like that. Um, definitely uh, uh, South Boston was, was the one that sticks out to me as a huge caution fest uh, race. But, um, you know, I, I hats off User to Chris in this, in this race. He, he just did amazing. Um, and he, and he kept it clean the whole race. Um, uh, myself, I got, um, I got caught up. I was weaving through a wreck and, um, and somebody just come down on me and spun me. Uh, it is what it is. Um, other than that, you know, USA 30 cars, and that is just a full track, and it is really hard um, to pass. It was just, um, it, it felt at times almost impossible to pass. Um, I was able to do it a few times, but uh, I didn't quite get the finish that I wanted, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I still had a lot of fun. Um, I, know, I know Chris had a had a good time, when, and he definitely love that finish. Good finish. So, yeah really good finish for, for him, him yeah and that yeah i mean that's his highest finish i think i've been calling this for several weeks and i think if i recall that might be his highest yeah um without looking at the stats or anything you're you're, you're probably right on that and then you know no incidents to keep it clean at usa like like mike that was a it was a tough race like you're just you know you're, you're just banging off doors there's not there's nowhere to go there so there was a practice race Sunday, and I joined that and ran with these guys for the first time, and uh, that was pretty fun. I enjoyed running uh, with those guys, and I, I think I was running up to fourth or fifth or something before I got before whatever happened. And uh, but yeah, it was a fun little practice race. But yeah, uh, uh, pretty neat to see Kevin Pearson win the championship. Uh, I think he's going to be on next week as a special guest. So oh yeah, no, that'll be. Uh... That'll be great. Um, it was it was a great uh, season. I didn't do the full season. I think I missed out on uh, one or two races before I I finally signed on and got going. But uh, and I, I had a lot of fun and um, I plan on running the full stretch uh, for the next season. Uh, really looking forward to that. Yeah, let's talk about that. The new season of the iRacers Lounge National Series starts on December tenth. With a hundred dollar cash reward to the champion, this series will also have a jackpot incentive that will pay twenty 
spots if the slots are filled with the final spot getting $12 in incentives. This is a great way to get the racers to run the whole 12-week season. Uh, go to obrl.net to apply. Uh, go out there and run that, guys. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that that part there just comes as a as a complete surprise to me. I did I did not know that. Um, that that's a heck of an incentive. Uh, well, I'll definitely be running the the whole twelve week season. And it says two road tracks, two short tracks, and a combo of mile and a half tracks. Yeah, um, I, I had heard that they're gonna uh, that they that they kind of wanted to shake things up a little bit. Um, this looks like they. Uh, they definitely have, so it, it looks extremely interesting, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Good guys. Cool, cool. Let's get into topics. Britt McCoy, what do you got first? All right, guys, we're gonna start this uh, this week off with kind of a fun little video that an individual came across um, on iRacing. Is we're here at Irwindale Speedway, where either in the late models or the super late models, I'm not really, I can't really distinguish between the two. But anyways, here at Irwindale, you got this um, late model going around the track, and it, he seems to he goes in on the back stretch, goes up on turn three into the um, rides the wall. So all four of his tires are up on the wall. He's riding the wall and rides that wall and catch fence all the way along turns three to turns four, and finally comes down right before the start finish line here at Irwindale. Really incredible to see. I'm not sure how much damage is done to the car. It looks like he could have just kept driving the way it looked like, and he looked to be he, going pretty fast. He's driving on the catch fence. Yeah, he's got all four tires above the, the wall on the catch fence. So I've actually done this before, but not at this track. I did it at the center pedal one, where it's the little little tiny one. But it's possible. It's really hard to get it up on the wall, though. But you got to kind of you know get that right front and kind of bump it into the wall and get the right you know momentum going so it kind of jerks up there and then once you get the right sides on you just kind of gun it and drive it up onto the wall and you just keep into the gas and it'll drive right up onto the fence and you can do laps on the fence oh yeah he's definitely picking up speed too it looks like going around there well that's a heck of a way to pass somebody i mean it's going to cost you know it's going to probably cost you two x but get up on the high side uh and <laughs> rock and roll yeah it's a little weird because you think gravity would you know make it where it wouldn't work but somehow it does work all right let's well go to the if next you're talking one. gravity what, what's what's the highest g somebody sees like say at bristol if you're going if you're putting more than one g you're going as you're getting accelerated out as hard as gravity that's true. You know, and that centipedal track is really tiny, so it's got a, a you know, a pretty tight radius, so to speak. So, yeah, I guess it is plausible. All right, Greg, you're next. All right, so this is a post from one of the forums. Uh, Bobby uh, Rafferty, I guess, uh, posted asking if they would get, a, what do you call it, a non-winged championship. Uh, for it and I guess Tyler Hudson chimed in um, he said possibly they would have to have uh, someone step in um, like the USAC to step in uh, World Outlaws uh, it was a great uh, partnership with them um, with their championship series 
he says it, he thinks it would take USAC to step in to make a non-wing series. So um, I'm not familiar with the dirt side of it. I'm not a huge dirt guy, but um, I, I don't know. Would there be a huge demand for uh, a non-wing championship? Well, you, if you look at all the other championships that we have, there is a real sanctioning body behind them, typically. Um, you know, you got to argue except for the Formula One one. You know, I don't see that Formula One is actually behind our, our uh, you know, road, you know, pro series, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, yeah, why is this any different than that? You know, do we have to have a sanctioning body? You know, like NASCAR, you know, blesses peak, you know, and then we got World of Outlaws that, you know, participates in sanctioning of, you know, our dirt series, our dirt cars. And so what Todd are saying is, oh, we just need a sanctioning body like USAC to step in and write a check, you know. Which they're probably right. They, they you know, they're going to definitely need someone to step in because obviously iRacing doesn't really foot any bills for any of that championship series stuff themselves, right? I think they have in the past, but they don't anymore. They, they you know, they think they've learned to get these sanctioning bodies to do it. But I don't know. Maybe they are. And I'm sure if someone put up some money, that you would find people to run it. But I mean, I mean that's a good question. I mean, when um, Martin Kronke wins the Formula One championship, okay, there's a sanctioning body involved in that one, and who's paying the prize on that one? Well, that's the, I'm guessing the reason that we don't have a, a real backing for the F1 stuff is because they support it elsewhere, right? Yeah, they're involved with titled with other games, other titles, right? Well, they're yeah, they're. they're they took on PlayStation and all that stuff. They're with all that, those type of things, if they're going to sponsor anything. Right. All right, Mason, what's next? All right. Uh, we're talking about Mike Bagley again on the podcast. Uh, he's got a couple things up here on Twitter. The first of which is a uh, cup race at Daytona under the lights. Um, he was coming out of turn four looking for the win. Uh, big dramatic finish across start finish line. He gets wrecked as he goes over, but he he gets the win. So uh, it's cool to see him back on iRacing racing again. And uh, he also posted up there that he's in need of a setup guy, looking for some good Camaro, Talladega, and Daytona setups. Yeah, you know, and I I took a, a carburetor cup race earlier. No, it wasn't carburetor cup. It was pickup cup, and he was in that race and. Uh, so Mike Bagley is all over iRacing. He was on uh, Twitter begging for setups. It was kind of funny to read the replies. Yeah, it was kind of funny and also a little disappointing because a lot of them were very trolly replies. That's true. I mean, yeah. Anyway, uh, Mike Bagley. Now, one of our teammates, Tony Rochette, actually was Twittering him offering uh, some help at, from the iRacers Lounge, but I don't think, I don't know if we got a response or not. Actually, uh, I, th I think he did post up a response to Tony's tweet there. Um, something, because uh, I, I know Tony had mentioned that uh, we were talking about him, and it sounded like he was interested as to, you know, hey, where can I, uh, where can I listen to these guys? And um, I'm not sure if Tony sent him a link. 
think he said he was going to with like the the minute mark type deal. Yeah, I believe he did. All right. Well, Bagman is uh, welcome to to come on the podcast, and uh, we'll hook him up with a set. Even how about that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Uh, Tony, what do you got next? Ooh, it caught me off guard here. I wasn't. Uh, um, I go in order. Yeah, maybe we'd need numbers. I can count, but my ABCs suck. Um, so, uh, post about a custom diecast from simmortal.com. Yeah, you can get your iRacing paint job made into a diecast. Yeah, I think I got Mr. Rochette's uh, internet connection because everything is running really, really slow for me. Um, so these guys do custom die casts. Um, and I'm looking at some pictures here, and these guys look like they do some pretty solid work. Um, oh, yeah. I, I didn't see, I haven't seen any prices. No, I haven't either. I mean, the website is uh, will link you over to eBay, but when you go there, I, d I don't see anything. So I think you have to contact him to get information, but I'm not sure. But it's well, this... uh, simmortal.com. Yeah, I, this thing kind of kind of intrigues me a little bit. Um, you know, I've I, I've got a custom paint job that I made myself, and I'm very much an amateur, but I'm actually kind of proud of this one. I, I really like it the way it turned out, and uh, that, that's very interesting. I make a a nice present for uh for an eye racer. Hint, hint, my wife. <laughs> I'm definitely interested in this, depending on the cost. I might even try to talk my uh, unofficial sponsor into actually paying for it because they could buy one and stick it in their store, too. Now, it was a week or two ago, we talked about another guy who does this, Kyle Putz, uh, also is known to make custom die cast as well. And so if you guys are interested, uh, there's two options now that we found for die cast. All right, David Hall, you're next. Okay. Uh, sorry, Chris Rebell on iRacing put out a little Again. tweet. He's getting ready for the Gateway Dirt Nationals and was using iRacing to prepare for it. Uh, another great example of real-life racers using the sim to practice. Well, pretty cool. Now, Gateway Dirt, do we actually have that track? I don't think we do. No, I don't think we do, but I think he was still hopping on to, right, to get that field. Right, he's running something else, right. But, uh, yeah, another, another week goes by, and uh, Christopher Bell does his weekly, uh, you know, tweet about iRacing. So, yeah, it continues. I've never been to the to the dirt track up there. I, I caught the truck race and ARCA race last summer. And they actually have a neat little go kart track that's about a half mile on the on the inside too, and they're with some pretty powerful go tracks or go kart uh, go karts. And he's actually uh, racing out there at Gateway tonight, uh, tomorrow, and Saturday, I believe. Yeah, and didn't he uh, uh, do uh, just take a win against uh, Larson in uh, what was it called, the snowball? Yeah, that was a great race. I was watching the the end of it. Yeah, they were really uh, dicing it up. 
and it was a great win too. All right, uh, let's keep moving. Let's look at another NASCAR driver that we found some information on on, on iRacing, uh, Brent. So William Byron, um, we were out here just doing some information on him and, and trying to find out, look at his stats, and um, just going off of a quick rundown, his oval wins, he's got 209 career oval wins, with, which equates to a 17% winning career on the oval side. Um, so back in 2012, back before William Byron was really a, a known commodity, he posted in the um, iRacing forums when he was just starting out, he said that he was looking for a team for the upcoming Xfinity Series season. So he was looking for a very strong team where he could contribute and could work together well. And he provided a link to his iRacing um, iRacing stats. Of course, you get a lot of replies when you're asking for a team generally. If your I ratings up there, he got quite a bit of replies at the time. Um, so going through, looking at his 2018 year stats for the oval side, he's got 46 starts with eight wins and 27 top fives. Um, average start sixth, average finish eighth. So he seems to do a lot of the Class C fixed races, his last one being on November 1st of this year. Have you guys had any luck with running with uh, William yet? I haven't. And his stats are fascinating. Like his last 10 races, he's won four of the last 10 races he's been in. I think I ran there's with probably, him. In there's a, a reason he's running in the big leagues. I ran with him in a rallycross race once and he completely destroyed the field. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and his starts are, uh, his last one, November 1st, and before that it was August 29th and 28th. And so that's obviously during season, and he still found time to get on. That's pretty cool. Bet you it's off weekends. Yeah, if you looked, it probably is. His I rating forty four ninety one. But it, if you look at it here, it looks like he, he raced the weekends that they were. But why would he pick the truck in the Xfinity car on the weekend that they would be doing Darlington if he was trying to get ready for Darlington? You mean he should be in an A, a car? Well, you'd think if he was going to try to, you know, just get some new time to it, because that's around the weekend the Southern 500 was. Yeah. Uh, well, good he point. could be doing it less for training and just doing it for fun. It's just kind of like when the drivers like to go drunk, you know, run a dirt race somewhere. Well, he does have an Indy car start, so. Yeah, I saw that. All right, that's pretty cool. You can uh, look up William Byron on iRacing. All right, Greg, what's next? I guess they uh, have posted a day-night video on Twitter here for the iRacing account showing the uh, Daytona the transition at Daytona. And the six-second uh, video looks just a quick transition, but, man, it changes really – it looks really good when it changes, too, from day to night and the way the track shadows and everything. So I'm really looking forward to this coming up with all the racing events that we can do with it. It's going to be so different during the 24 hours of Daytona with this uh, going on. Based on this video, when, like you said, the transition as it goes to dark and the track lights come on and it lights up the, the stands, I mean, it, it's amazing how much different it looks. Do you notice they have the uh, lights turned on early too? 
Like they even got the, to the point where the lights were already on. It's not like they flip on right when it goes tonight. Like They're they turn on, it on right, early. But you can't really see them, right? Yeah, that's what happens at a real track. You'll, they'll be on before you know, basically about when the sun sets. Even that's what I'm still saying. Got a like lot of skylight. It's accurate. That's the thing. It looks very realistic. You know. If this is uh, if this is everything that they're saying, it's going to be you know bravo on them for you know taking this under because it's not going to be an easy thing to try and over a twenty four hour period have it elapse properly, right? Right. So if they get it, it's you know it'll be whoever's got those night stints is going to be it'll be a different experience when you actually have it transitioning. Yeah, I'm excited for that race. Uh, they pretty much have said this is going to be in the December build. It's one of the main things, if only things. Yeah, nobody's ever really had to deal with the transitioning on the setup from day to night. Well, there's another guy posted on, I don't know if you guys saw on the tweet at the top there, for the, the one that says, so no more using shadows as brake markers. So, he, you know, there's going to be things, on objects on the track change. So you're, you know if you use something on the track that was like a shadow or something that could really change it too. Yep. All right. I got the next one. Uh, midget driveline update. Tyler Hudson posted that, uh, we've made slight adjustments to the driveline losses of the midget based on real life data. This also will help keep the car settled at the bottom at Kokomo and Lima land. It makes for fantastic racing at the chili bowl. This will be in the upcoming build. Steve Reese also posted up. There'll be a small, uh, well, he already he said the same thing that Tyler did. But he also said um, the Dirt Late models are getting a damage model update to reduce performance loss from certain types of damages and impacts. He says the Chili Bowl is incredible. It looks more and more amazing every day. The update to the midget was tuned using that track, and it's an absolute blast. I cannot wait for you guys to be able to give it a go. So pretty good uh, uh, witness there to the new track, the Chili Bowl. If Steve Reese, I, you never hear him uh, post excitement, really. And so that's kind of new for him. So it must be really good. Yeah, I'm glad they're being proactive on this from a, a comment that was made that the bottom line wasn't working as well and that they tested it at a place where everybody's going to be racing at in a couple weeks. Right. And they want the car to match that track specifically, right? Yeah, tuning it for there. That's a good idea, I think. All right, so we got that coming in the build. Uh, Mason, what's what else is coming in the build? Oh, the, uh, the last time we heard from them about the December build, they dropped a hint that there's going to be a surprise car, and uh, people were taking guesses at it. And whoever had money on the Formula Renault 3.5, you're the winner. Uh, they posted a two-minute video up on uh, Facebook of the the Formula Renault 3.5 going around the Nurburgring and a couple other tracks, uh, a couple cars side-by-side, side, having it bottoming out. Um, and it's going to be available in the December build. Now, I'm not familiar with that. It's a European car. Yeah, it's uh, similar to the Pro Mazda and the Formula 3. Um, it's in that ballpark. It's pretty oh. much a feeder car. 
yeah, it's a feeder. It completes the feeder system to F1 or something like that. But yeah, you um, think? I thought these like I'm I'm not really totally familiar with the the lower rankings in F1. I thought that these cars, if they've scanned these cars, and I think next year they're supposed to get that ha- uh, that halo that the F1 cars got. So this cars could be already out to, out of date. Yeah, it's already obsolete. That's typical, though. Yeah, this is replacing. I believe there is already a Formula Renault, though, that it's replacing. Isn't or it that might the be 2.0? a new series. Don't we have the 2.0? Yeah. Or is it in I- addition to I'm not sure. I didn't look at the. I didn't look at any of the stats. But one thing that I could tell from the video is, if if you ever watch F1 cars, they have a DRS system where they actually open up the, the wing on the back in certain places where they're allowed to. I didn't see that occurring any on the on this 3.5. I don't know if the lower series have that. In I know the F1 cars have the DRS, but I don't know if the lower systems do. Sure, it's a fun car to drive. I don't know if I'll be checking it out, but um, yeah, sure I'm not some... going to be buying this. And I don't know if the road guys have been, you know, clamoring for this. And from what I I've seen, I nobody's asking for this car, but here it is. Well, it's interesting they're releasing this and the Formula Three in the same build. And I can't even tell the cars apart. <laughs> It may be exciting for the guys who like to run open wheel. I, I, I stay in the sports cars, so I, I won't be getting it either. All right, Tony Groves, what else is coming in the build? Ooh, this is a, this is a big happy one for me. The Charlotte Roval is coming in this build. Finally, finally. But hey, um, we're getting it, and I guess we can't complain anymore. Um, and iRacing threw up a... That's a it's a 30 second video they they posted it uh yesterday the 28th um how the cars look on track and um my favorite part cuz I'm going to destroy so many cars um they they make a lot of reference to the turtles um I I've been excited since they uh since NASCAR announced that they were going to do this and when iRacing announced that they were going to build it um I've just been happy 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 um i usually suck at these courses but that don't matter i have a lot of fun there um and uh i've kind of a a, a funny little question was posted in the comment section on the on the twitter um one uh steve uh Luvender, and can we destroy our cars on the turtles and landon castle was quick to reply with a strict yes so um i well, will landon destroying- should know Ah, yes. <laughs> and I will back that up probably about five minutes after it's released because I'll have destroyed a car already. Um, now, kind of a nice little tie-in to that is it's 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 actually really hard to see in the video, but you, you can kind of see that the crowd system is, is a little bit different. Um, and they've... Greg Hill has confirmed that the crowd system has been redone from the ground up to significantly improve both appearance and performance. Um, and what we're used to, we see the front and the back, and that's about all you see. Um, so each crowd member is rendered from a, a high-fidelity 3D model to a texture with four times the amount of pixels than before. Uh, the result is crisp high-resolution appearance with accurate 
normal maps and lighting in the sim. Um, and they also have, I guess there's about 33% more unique people than, than what we had before. Uh, it says, performance-wise, each crowd member is now an instanced object and takes advantage of this technology to improve memory usage and rendering time. Um, I don't know how much that, that's still going to add add to, to what the sim's asking for out of your computer, but um, I guess they're saying it's not that bad. I mean, the way they talk about the performance, it sounds like it's almost better than it was before, but uh, it's interesting that they're changing the crowd. I think that's the first time we've heard that, but um, it, I'm anxious to see it. It's really hard to see in this video, um, and so I'm anxious to see it in real time on the sim, and uh, you know, there's some tracks like Phoenix comes to mind as you go down the front stretch, you can see the crowd is like very two dimensional because they're the look like cardboard cutouts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I was kind of thinking about this one and you know, like on the replay videos and stuff, I love the crowds. I think it's, you know, it's, it's so cool. It's just, it kind of adds to it. So I think for that aspect, this is really going to shine. Um, personally when i'm in a race I'm, I'm so busy trying to drive the damn car and keep focus as to what's going on around me I, I i rarely even notice that that i have the crowds turned on maybe i should just turn them off but well the good thing is if they've improved the performance you can at least have that visual and not be it hurting you right yeah as long as it doesn't hurt your performance i think i'm good with it because i see some people that post videos that run you know, some people don't have great systems, so they turn down, you know, the crowds completely off in some of their videos and stuff. And it just looks, the game looks bland when, or the sim looks bland when you don't have everything there that should be there. Yeah, on my on my older system, even though I had the Rift on it, uh, I had even the grandstands turned off. And there's another interesting thing about the old crowd system. I don't know if anybody ever else noticed this, but in my Rift, if the sun was at just the right angle you could make the basically the darkness and brightness of the crowd change just by moving your head. Yeah, so hopefully that's addressed as well. It sounds like it's a 3D uh, you know, model and, and they're individuals now instead of like groups of people. So do we have to go and look for Dale Earnhardt again in 3D now? That's a great question. I wonder if he'll be replaced as well because those are 2D models as well. What was it? It's it's uh, Earnhardt and who again? And my, Steve Myers, the oh yeah, that's right, Steve Myers, president guy. Um, the other thing, the reason I was thinking, I, I didn't get to chime in here at the beginning part with the Roval. Um, I'm wondering, after that race developed the way it did with the turtles and stuff like that, do you think that's the reason why they delayed it even further, knowing that? that's something that they wanted to get in there. They wouldn't have known ahead of time that those turtles were going to be so significant until they actually saw the race. Well, and remember, what about that wall, that movable tire wall that they were hitting uh, during the beginning of the weekend and by the race, by race day, they had moved it, you know? And so that kind of stuff got adjusted even throughout the weekend. Did you also see that how many different configurations they have for that track that's going to be underneath under it? They got a whole bunch of them, and they even got. It looks like Rallycross can even be on it. I haven't looked at the the upcoming schedule yet, but I hope IMSA goes there because I haven't been to Charlotte in the IMSA car. It, I don't remember if I've even been there. The yeah, I don't have the link. 
Uh, sorry, I don't have a link, but there is a forum post about the configuration, uh, different configurations. I, I There were like a dozen of them. It's crazy. Best part is it's free. Free. Yeah, so it has, there's like four different or five different layouts of the oval. There's another in, two infield uh, for the legends, the, another part for the roval with a different chicane. And then they also have in plans for January to have the the rally cross set up. Cool. All right, bring it on. New crowds and Charlotte Roval. All right, David Hall, what's next? Trophies. Well, for the Peak Series, the winner got to go down to Miami and second and third and third place they get a trophy mailed to them. It's a neat-looking trophy uh, sitting on some type of uh, racing hardware. Um, and they, they posted a tweet about it. And it's also very interesting reading through some of the, the replies because people are asking for trophies to be sent to the podiums in some of the other series. And the reply is, well, get the sponsors of the series to pony up. Um, and um, one guy even said that he thinks the second-place guy, uh, Lusa, is just going to chunk the trophy in the trash as soon as he gets it. I don't know. It looks pretty nice to me. I wouldn't be throwing it away. It looks like a, a checkered flag made out of glass, basically. It looks really nice. I, I mean, second place in a series like that is not, you know, yeah, it sucks you lost, but that's a, that's something, that's nothing to be, you know, cough about. Yeah. It's going to lead to uh, other opportunities. Yeah. Just ask Denny Hamlin or Carl Edwards how they uh, like second place. Right. But well, nobody uh, nice trophies. Yeah, nobody likes nobody likes second place or third place. Everybody wants to win, but I mean, you know, they they they've done a really nice job on these trophies. Um, I, I would definitely like to have one on my desk. Somebody spent time. Like it's somebody's labor went into that. Yeah, it's got his name on it and his uh, hometown and what year it is. It's got the peak logo. I'd keep it if it was a 10th place trophy. Well, absolutely. Um, so anyway, congrats to Ryan and Michael, Ryan Luza, Michael Conti for uh, getting those trophies sent out. All right, uh, Brent, you're next. All right, Logan Clampant. I was actually in a race with him. I think it was on Tuesday. Maybe it might have been Monday night, but the... Um, the trucks fixed are here at Atlanta this week and Logan Clampett went and posted a video. I'm not sure if this was the race I was with him or not um, of him passing the leader. All right. With a, with a trick Chick-fil-A drink. We all love Chick-fil-A. Let's be honest here in his left hand. And he is racing with his right hand only. And he's passing, he's going up, he's behind this leader. He's just casually passing this leader one handed for the lead with two to go. And I wish I could look half as cool as this guy does doing this one-handed if I could do this with two hands. This is impressive. He's so smooth. That makes me think he must have the force feedback turned off or something. But he just uh, keeps he a real sharp focus, and he just barely turning that wheel and and uh, doesn't scrub off speed. Yeah, someone commented on there because they brought that up. They said he's, they said he's clearly not running the, um, the correct rotation on the steering wheel, and he's clearly running... Um, no force feedback, and someone chimed down there and said he can confirm 100% that he is running 900 degrees rotation, and the force feedback is all while running a 14 to 1 steering ratio. 
So you can see him when he's in this video. He's there's people talking in the background. I don't know if he's on uh, TeamSpeak or Discord, but he's got some individuals back there talking to him. And you can see Clampett. He's just casually just driving one handed, sipping on the drink, and uh, cracking a smile when he's making this pass. Yeah, sorry if you're in that uh, yellow Hertz truck that was in the lead. You may you got your 15 seconds of fame there. You just got out drove. Yeah, he's got talent for sure, and he he proves it in this video. One handed. What a correct sponsor too. That's that's gotta hurt. <laughs> yeah, All I right. was in the I was in the race with him. I don't know if it was this one or not, but we were like seven to go coming up caution and I was P nine, he was P eight, and he just drove away and I tried to keep up with him and there's I couldn't figure out what he was doing. There's just no way. You know, it all, it's always like that, Brent, when you're in a race with an alien, you get that, that same feeling. I think everybody's gotten it at some point, but you're like, how in the hell is he doing that? It's just not human. Come on now. It's not fair. All right, Greg, you're next. So it looks like, uh, someone's just trying to see here, bring it up. Uh, looks like the GT3 Ferrari uh is here to stay a fixed series um but they also are looking to you know tweak a couple tracks for next season so you know i guess after last week we were talking about uh was the hpd having something about it but it looks like the ferrari is gonna stay um because i guess it was pretty popular this season yeah we were talking last week they wanted to change the car and i think they got enough feedback they decided not to well, it's good that the you know if people are saying that they want to keep it, it's good that they listened. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, anyway, Ferrari GT3 here to stay. All right, Mason, you're next. All right, we got an announcement about uh, Road to Pro for 2019. Um, this is Tyler Hudson up on the forums. Um, he says Road to Pro will stay for 2019, but we are leaning toward running a 12-week season during. The 2019 season three, which is June to September, every week with probably no drops using the truck. Then the pro series will run like it did this season. Um, that's the first thing. And uh, then talking about the time of day that those would happen as far as the time of day track time. Um, he was saying that he heard it through the grapevine at iRacing that the track will not be as sensitive to the time of day, but they will try to stick to the cooler times of the day with the day to night. So yeah, what do you I think read about... somewhere he said the sensitivity to temperature will be reduced in the next build. Was that for every car or trucks particularly? No, I, I think that meant every car. See, I took it as him talking about Road to Pro only. Like specific, because yeah. someone's asking what the track time would be so they can practice for it. That's true. I'm frustrated there would be no drop weeks, because if you're going to run a, a season from June to September, that's primetime vacation for everybody in you know North America. So let's think about this. This is a huge change. So in 2018, we had the Road to Pro every two weeks on a Tuesday night. It was truck series. From February through September. And then they, whoever won it, then they moved on to a closed series in the B car, which is going on as we speak. And now they're going to get rid of that, and it doesn't start until June, and it's only 12 weeks, and there's no drops, and it's weekly. 
And it's probably going to be an official truck series, actually. Yeah, it yeah, they looks said, like they want to separate it. They said uh, no, or uh, A-class only. So A-class only, but it's truck. Yes. I like that it's in the trucks. I, I just don't like the, the timing of it or the no drop weeks with that time of year. Right. A lot of people take vacations in the summer, right? <laughs> Well, they may experience some blowback on that. Why would they not get it ready? Like, say, the end of the season. Like, it, wouldn't it have been smart to start it, say, this week right now and go till the season starts? Like, why do they do it in the off season so it has something to promote while, or that we can have the race while uh, the actual NIS or any of the other series are done? Yeah, I like that idea. Or starting it right as soon as the the real racing series starts, but making it every week. February, yeah. And that's what this post was about. It was somebody speculating about, hey, which is the best way to do it? Should it be weekly? Should it be bi-weekly? Should it be an official series over 12 weeks? Should it be 36 weeks? You know, and all that. And so that's when Tony came, or Tyler came in and said, hey, this is the way we're doing it. They could even they could even have run the actual trucks schedule and had the weeks that were off because we have all the tracks the truck race on. See down here it says um, he liked the 2018 schedule. Tyler Hudson, opposite of Peak, he said many people voiced their displeasure with that. A 12-week season inside a normal i racing season works also, but the downside to that is we will have racing going on in Road to Pro on the same night as Peak. Don't put it on the night that peaks on. Well, the other thing about this announcement is it is consistent with what they're doing with other pro series or road to pro in other series. They've moved all those to 12 week, you know, seasons. Well, no, the GTE road to pro is only six weeks. Oh, is it? A lot of wow. them have transitioned as a 12 week one. If you think about it though, GT, like GT cars and endurance stuff is, uh, a lot shorter season anyways than any other series. And and one more thing before we move on from it. Um, Tyler said, we'll discuss internally and make a decision one way or the other, but I want people to feel like they can talk it out in here even if we end up not doing it. So it sounds like to me this isn't 100% yet. So get your opinion out there. Yeah, there's a thread. Uh, it's called RTP Racing Preferences. Than the Pro Series Discussion Forum. Yeah, get in there and tell, tell them what you think, guys, because, uh, you know, your input is valuable and they might change their mind. All right, who's next? I think that would be me. All right, uh, I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we go in order. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if I know who went last. <laughs> okay, so we got some more uh, season schedule uh, talk, and this is for the 2019 season one schedule. The uh, the the preliminary schedule has been posted. Um, I haven't downloaded it, uh, so I haven't looked at it. But a couple of takeaway notes here. Um, they say the time of day is completely irrelevant. We know and we'll have that sorted out next week. Um, 
throughout the the schedules, you may see the centripetal circuit. It is a placeholder for uh, Sakuba, and as well with the Charlotte Road course is a placeholder for the Charlotte Roval. So, um, and they've also brought out two new series: the iRacing F3 Championship, featuring, of course, the new F3, and the iRacing Formula 3.5 Championship featuring the uh, the Renault 3.5. Um, they also go on to say that the Pro Mazda Series time slots will be adjusted to accommodate the above new series, and this will show up on the PDF that will be posted next week. Um, as well, some series have not been built yet, and what you see is a placeholder. Um, uh, Renault 3.5 asphalt sprint car, GT Endurance Pro Qualifier, and uh, the Rookie I Racing Rallycross Series. So uh, that gives you a, a head start to to see what see what they got planned for for next season, basically. But it looks like they'll have something a little bit more concrete uh, next week. Boy, two more road series. That's what I see. And boy, aren't there enough already? But I'm not a road guy, so I don't know. Yeah, I was listening to another iRacing podcast that is more built towards the road side of things. And they were discussing this Formula 3 car before they knew about the 3.5. And they were concerned that the Formula 3 car would compete with the Pro Mazda and the regular Formula Renault that we have now. So I'm sure they'll be even more freaking out. Yeah, I mean, there's only only so many drivers, and, you know, are they going to vacate those other series and go to these two new ones? I mean, or there's only some of them are going to do it, and then they don't have full fields. I mean, what a mess, uh, I think. I, it just feels like there's too many. Um, I don't know what to say about it, but it, it's nice to have every car and a series for every car, but uh, do we have enough drivers to even support it is really what I'm thinking. What they need to start doing on the roadside, and I'm all for adding cars and stuff, but they need to. There's a lot of road courses that are still unaccounted for that they should focus on that that way. They need to build up the amount of people that are racing road to actually get these series built up. Like, like even if you do the F1 um, side or something, why not build? another car in the f1 race like have another car that the f1 can compete against like mercedes or Ferrari. i mean you probably won't get that but they need to add cars to those series instead of creating more and more series that take dilutes all the series yeah that'd be cool to have different manufacturers available in f1 yeah because even um isn't there a continental gt series that runs like almost like stock like they we have that mustang It'd be like running, like, there's a bunch of cars in, like, that that they could scan that would be a nice road racing series that's not, a like, a builder series to get up into, you know, the endurance series and stuff like that that run. I think they run on the same weekends like IMSA runs. Like, there's just some market stuff that they're... I get that they want the open wheel stuff, but it just seems like there's way too many classes there now. Like, you can't... You, you're just... You, you just don't have enough... Uh, people to support that right now how do you funnel people into a certain series and then have them step up like okay you gotta do well in the f3 car before you do the 3.5 car and i don't know how you you know they're just having wide open to everybody and there's really no structure there that i know of 
and so it's just a free-for-all. You just race whatever the heck you want. Well, and the other thing is I think the oval size has it pretty much done, was done the right way where, you know, they're the trucks, the Xfinity and the cup cars are defined, right? Like they're defined. What's, what's the buildup to get to which series, you know, you know, the progression, right? What is the progression in the roadside? Like even when I went over to get my license from D all the way up to a, you know, you got to pick different series, but you're not, you might not even be racing the same type of thing that you want to race to get into another series. Right. Could they work it? Now, I, I, I know very, very little on the roadside, um, but from what, from listening to you guys talk about it, if they, if they had like, you know, uh, a few of the, like, you know, featured series, you could say. So you get like the new stuff or the, you know, the real most popular stuff, but then what if they, as the, uh, after that, they kind of, you know, switch out one season, we'll have, um, you know, this, this amount of series. And then, um, the next season, you know, maybe switch a, switch some of that up, keep the, the popular ones, but some of them less popular ones, you know, maybe switch them out from season to season. Right. Because when all of them are available, there's, you know, it just dilutes the fields. So this yeah. is what, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just more or less agreeing with, with Mike. Maybe it would help with the dilution of those um, less popular series and might actually bring them a little bit more into focus if, if, if you didn't have the chance to race them all the time. Well, it's just like, you know, you add these cars in. Is it going to – nobody's going to race those other cars underneath it now maybe? Like is, does it happen where, you know, you add this – this part in and you know when we get an update in the oval series some cars don't get used again like this is where i think you would have that thing like if you could sell back something that you've bought if you don't like to use it to buy something else like have a credit you know you bought something for 11 bucks for 14 bucks as a thing here you don't like it and you get half price or 25 percent back in credit just to use it because like half the stuff people don't use once it's been updated For example, I once I finally once I got up into the A car a long, long time ago, uh, at this point, I don't own a B or C car because I don't go back and race those even. Right. right, let's keep moving. Uh, David Hall. Okay, Uh, an announcement from the Sim Racing Network that they are starting a premiering a series for uh, Joe Gibb Racing sim league it's uh hosted by the sim 500 racing league and there's a on our notes there's a link to both the sim racing networks facebook as well as the joe gibb racing facebook and the uh sim racers leagues what's interesting is they're going to have it covered live and they're going to vote on which track is raced in the season opener uh they're racing in the a cars and the first three tracks to be chosen from, I lost them in my notes, uh, are either Milwaukee, Gateway, or Rockingham. So getting to go back to some of the tracks that the Cup Series doesn't run anymore. I think it's interesting how, having to prepare for three races rather or three tracks rather than knowing which track it's going to be. Yeah, they did this last year, I think. This might, or maybe this is the third year. Uh, Denny Hamlin often races in this as well as other uh, NASCAR celebrities, so to speak, or people involved with Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, 
um, are often involved in this uh, sim racing league. And so in like, a year ago, I think we've talked about this and we were watching it uh, because Denny Hamlin was in the race and that kind of thing. So of those three guys, what would you pick? I'd, I'd pick Gateway. Gateway was one of my favorite tracks back in the R-Factor days. Milwaukee, flat. Flat oval. That is a good track, too. Milwaukee is fun. I remember in the B-car. The, the old B-car. Awesome. I'd have to go with uh, Rockingham, personally. Um, I, I've never raced there. Uh, I've actually never even seen that track. I wasn't um I wasn't watching racing when they were when they were racing there. So that that would be my pick just cuz I don't know anything about it. All right, check that out coming up soon. Uh Brent McCoy next. All right, a new uh charity race has come to the uh forefront here on iRacing. Brought to you by OP Racing presents the Mission 22. That's 24 hours of Charlotte. Basically what this is, this is going to be a 24-hour oval race in the Monster Energy Cup car on February 16th, 2019. It's going to be at the Charlotte Motor Speedway um, oval track layout, 24 hours. They're going to have 30 slots for teams of four individuals on each team, with your entry fee being $10, the donation. Now, I'm not sure if that's $10 per team or $10 per individual that's on that team. Um, they give a a, um, a link here in our show notes to the Mission 22 website where you can sign up for this. Brief history, Mission 22 is a um, military veterans suicide awareness um, campaign. So basically what they're trying to do is, on average, um, 22 military veterans commit suicide every day. About one every 65 minutes is what it equates out to being. And they're looking to, and I think us as a nation, look to want to bring that number down to zero. Okay, so this is a great cause. All money that's generated from this in the iRacing community goes back to the Mission 22 and their um, their help in combating military suicides. Okay, just I'm I'm my mind's exploding a little bit. 24 hours at an oval is going to be insane, but I want to I want to try it. When you run 24 hours at Daytona or Le Mans, you have these long straightaways where you can kind of catch your breath and let your brain rest a little. I mean, imagine making a turn basically every 15 seconds for 24 straight hours. Well, and you also got the longer pit stops for the cars. The NASCARs are going to be done in 12 seconds, and that's all you get to rest. Yeah, this is drawing, I think, quite a bit of attention um, from different iRacing members throughout the community. If you can go back on their posts and look, and um, you go in the forums and look, and you hear about every. There's a lot of people that are interested in it. Even I know some of our. Um, Team Tifosi racing members were interested in doing it, but like David said, 24 hours, it's a, it's a unique challenge, but it's a challenge that I think I'd be willing to uh, to um, partake in, and then with the opportunity to donate to this great cause, which which I'd be more than willing to give $10 to. So okay, if before, so that means six hours each, right? So you're doing basically then... Because if I remember correctly, when I streamed the Coke 600, it was four hours and no, it was three hours and 49 minutes to do 600 miles. So if you're going to do four hours, so you're going to do 1,200 miles a person. Yeah, but you can switch off every couple hours. You don't have to like do it six straight. 
No, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. That's how many, you know, if you're going to split it into six hours throughout the 24 hours, you're going to be doing 1,200 miles. Wow. Yeah, so that's not. Think about the challenge of this, of this, as far as a uh, like a strategy standpoint. How Sounds often like do you fun. switch drivers? How do you tires, fuel? You know, I mean, that's a. This is a pretty big. Uh, this is a pretty big endeavor and a huge obstacle, or not obstacle, but a huge challenge that's uh, appealing. Uh, we yeah, can just in the GTE, out, you don't even. If you in if you run a GTE, you don't even have to worry about your drive change or change timing because it takes less time to change the driver than it does to fill fill the car with fuel. Um, Twelve second pit stop. When you do a driver's change, it's going to be a longer stop. Yeah, that'll make a difference. Uh, how often you switch drivers? You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, I wish they had more than thirty slots. Fill it up. Well, that's I'm, what I was I thinking. Can you, are you limited to 40? It says 30. Why would they pick 30? Why wouldn't you fill at least 40? I would, yeah, I would have done 40. They have a goal of um, obtaining $500. I don't think they're going to have any issues obtaining that. I think that'll be easily obtainable. Yeah, I think I if think enough they're, people they're, are interested. I, I think they're kind of hitting hitting a little low for their entry fee. Um, I, I Personally, like I, I find this very intriguing. Um, I actually really like this idea, and I, I wouldn't even have a problem paying twenty five dollars to to run that race. And if enough people are interested, they could possibly fill in two sets of thirty slots, do a split. All right, so search OP Racing to get now, involved, guys. The other question is: is just bring us in the end. Who's going? They must have a bunch of people adminning for it, because adminning for twenty four hours would be a long time. What's the admin? Just let the official rules do it, you know? And, and what's going to happen with cautions? Because it's an oval, there's going to be cautions, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, and, you know, I could, the way I see this going down is after a little while, the field's going to thin out. You know, people are going to get damaged and... And then how many cars are going to be running, you know, and then it's going to be 10 or 12 cars, you know, running the last 20 hours of the race. Maybe they're doing unlimited resets. They need to think about that. Yeah, they need to think about resets, you know, give them a half dozen of them, maybe. What do you think? If they give unlimited resets, it would go crazy wrecking people. Then they would have to add. Yeah, there's got to be a limit to it. Yeah. Well, just make it unlimited at 24 hours. First one across. I mean, you'll get tired of wrecking each other eventually. That's true. I, well, I once participated in a race where it was no holds barred with free resets. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and those are fun, but this is different because this is 24 hours. Right? Yeah, and you're going to have admins in here. I mean, you got the same people that are wrecking. They're going to get kicked out in a hurry, so... All right. Well, I'm going to take the next one here uh, about the uh, Larson's, Kyle Larson's line in the sim. Uh, Tyler Hudson replying to a question on why we can't run up next to the wall at places like Homestead and make better speed than the bottom. Issue includes side force or the bubble of air against the wall. Tyler said this is something that they've been discussing internally and we'll talk about down the line. Uh, Keegan Leahy asked, why can't we run the apron with success at Phoenix or New Hampshire? Uh, Hammer, you replied uh, with there, there are three distinct surfaces. We got the racetrack, the apron, and the grass. And they all abruptly change into each other. It's not a gradual transition. 
and uh, you indicated that they're doing a good job with that. Tell us what you what you meant. Well, they're. <laughs> I've been preaching about this for a long time, and it's like a soapbox thing now. So I try to keep it short, but ultimately, there is one asphalt that gets applied to the entire racing surface, right? The apron gets its own asphalt if it's an asphalt track. And then the grass gets grass, like materials applied. But the problem with that is, is it also applies to like the abrasive quality of the material. So you have the laser scan and then you have basically a grip factor. Like they'll say Atlanta is old and worn. So it has basically a grip factor less than Kansas. But there's no differentiation between the white line and the wall. It's all the same. So when you touch the line at Phoenix, the bottom there, you know how Harvick cuts across the bottom of that and goes way below the line? Mm-hmm. You die. Basically, right. you, can't, you can't do it. But when you go through the turn, like the tunnel, whatever that turn is, the one that they paved now at Phoenix and you can go all the way down there, it must be the racing surface. They must have that as racing surface down there because... You can find them. Like when you go cross a line at a certain point, you just completely die. Phoenix, you die at if you get if you're not careful on that apron down the back stretch. So, okay. So I don't understand that. Explain to me the tie-in between the surface and the question with the bubble uh, when you're riding the wall. What's what's the tie-in? It's actually two separate questions. Yeah. Okay. All right, so as far as the bubble goes, I mean, I start thinking about Kansas and places like that, and it feels like the, there's a bubble when you were running that high line. No way. It's just because the tire gets loaded up when you go into the corner. Can, can, the they, force is on the tire. Sim, can they simulate? So the one thing that is really hard to simulate is the arrow factor of it, right? Like, you can't – how can you tell – some, I don't know how you would figure the factors of, okay, the car is an inch or two inches off the wall, create this force here. Like, is, it, is, that, that's, is well, that the kind of code that they would have to do? Well, they basically have to put a soft buffer out there. But the problem with that is, is you usually would have to be so close to that wall that the prediction code alone would cause you to get hung up on the wall. So like the net code. In, speaking real life, uh, the most recent... Dale Jr. Download podcast. He talked about this quite a bit because he likes to run that high line too. And there is an actual bubble of air that if you stay, if you enter the corner on the wall, that bubble of air actually gives the car some extra traction. And that's why they can carry so much speed around that, around the outside. And it kind of, the bubble of air kind of keeps them from hitting the wall to an extent, right? If, if they get it just the right distance away, that bubble of air is kind of keeping them, uh, in a sense, on rails. Like you've seen Kyle uh, Larson ride the fence, and it looks like he's on a rail. Well, it, that rail is actually the air cushion that we're talking about. Well, that's part of it. It's not all of it. Because right. there's they, a traction thing, right? There's a traction thing, right? If everybody's running the middle bottom groove, the asphalt has porosity to it, like sandpaper. And as it takes the rubber, it changes the material properties of the track. iRacing's surface is all heat. 
well, we'll just say that it's all heat. It's not 100%, but it's 90-something percent heat. That's not really how it works. Like, the, the tire gets ground off. The rubber particles go into the asphalt. You can see it on concrete even easier. When you go to Bristol or you watch Bristol or you watch Dover, it creates strands of rubber that lay on top of the concrete. And depending on how the track is ground with a micro milling, a traditional milling, if the asphalt has a certain type of aggregate versus another, the age of it, when you move up out of the groove in iRacing, you just get a colder track. In the real world, you get a more, what could be a more abrasive track or a smoother track. And that changes how the tire wears and the heat in the tire and the characteristics of the car. So the air buffer is one part of it, but it doesn't have everything to do with multi-groove racing. It's just one piece. Well, yeah, and the good news I, I took out of this is, you know, Tyler's saying, acknowledging that they've talked about it. They're thinking about, you know, modeling the bubble, no, only so to speak. About the, they've only talked about the bubble. Yeah, but you're saying they haven't talked about the other part is the track itself, rubbering. Correct. Yeah, and the, the connection that I had between these two topics when I was putting this together was uh, just racing lines, whether it's B racing in the apron or racing up against the wall. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, before we get into hardware, software, Tafosi Racing is looking for a social media manager. If you're good with social media, hit us up. We're also looking for a league manager. So uh, contact Greg or I if you're uh, interested. Let's jump into hardware, software. Uh, Greg, you're up first. Do you want to take this one, Mason? I'll take the one after it since I've been looking yep. into the one after Sure. Um, we had uh, Donald Sadusky's rig on here a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's the one that looked kind of like an arcade system. Um, I can't remember what exactly uh, wheel he had before, but he's upgraded to a complete Fanatec setup. He's got the, the Club, Club Sport V2.5 base, the uh, uh, Elite P1 wheel. The uh, looks like he's got the V3 pedals down there, um, the Fanatec shifter, the Fanatec handbrake, um, so he upgraded his setup. Not a bad way to spend $1,500. Wow, that's a big old chunk of change. It looks nice. I love his microphone, that old RCA radio mic. <laughs> but uh, nice upgrade, Don Sadusky. Okay, Greg, you got the next one. So Fnatic had been teasing for a while there that they had... Uh, a blacked out image of their new racing rim for the F1 that's officially licensed by F1. And they finally unveiled it this week. So they're calling it the uh, Club Sport Steering Wheel F1 2018. So it, I saw this video and I, I immediately thought they really have gone pretty far out with this one and uh, something that it's not made after any specific rim it's their take on uh what they want as an f1 rim um it's basically looks like they're using every part of like every different type of knob and switch that they could come up with they got knobs and switches and it's it, you know it's a really durable rim it, it, it's basically um looks like their esports one but better quality it's got a bunch of upgradable it has upgradable pad uh, shifter pads and everything it's got 12-way multi 
uh, position switches with rotary, uh, rotary encoders. And one thing that I was looking at the, that I really liked is the multicolored um, lights that they got on the top of it, the way that they, you know, it, it presents itself. It looks like they even can, I don't know if uh, when I was looking at it there too, that uh, you can incorporate, uh, I don't know, was it iFlag? You could have like the, uh, um, the lights flash on the wheel for if it's under caution or something. Um, it looked like it was possible that it was able to do that. Um, but you know, it's priced at 350. Uh, it looks like it's a pretty good wheel. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about it? when we saw this? It, it looks like they've gone pretty far with this one. And, uh, and it looks like it's been pretty popular from what you can see of all the people that pre-ordered it. Yeah. Sold out. I mean, for the price, 350 I think it's worth the price. I mean, it looks like a real F1 kind of wheel. The The quality of it is high, for sure. I was very tempted to just go ahead and get that instead of the Porsche rim. How much was the Porsche rim? About the same price, I think. <laughs> yeah. The the only reason I'm sticking with the Porsche rim is because it, it will be dual function for me. Both it's more of an road. oval look, yeah. The upgradable pad, the, I like the fact that, you know, if you really want to adjust something down the road, you can update, upgrade the uh, paddle shifters to their, their attachment that they have. And this is all set up, too, for, you know, their direct drive bases. Um, and, you know, it was a limited time, a limited edition. I'm guessing, you know, they're probably only making so many for right now, and then they'll probably release it later on again at some point. Yeah, I don't think you can buy it right now, but um, I, I think can't it was imagine they'll keep, you know, not, you know, January, if it was, if I remember correctly, it was January it was launching. Yeah, it looks nice. I mean, and those paddles that you talked about, there's a forum thread about them, uh, specifically those paddles. I mean, they look the bomb, too. What did you guys think of the color coding system that they use, too? Like the. You know, the it's like an anodized yellow, I would guess. It looks like, like a gold. Gold type thing, yeah. And then, you know, carbon fiber, you know, layer. I'm sure it's not carbon fiber, but it looks really nice. It does. Those paddles are, are three separate paddles on each side, actually. So I guess you can use them. It's not only a shifter, but maybe gas brake, you know, for people that might be handicapped and that kind of thing. Well, the bottom two on that that advanced one that they have their what are their uh their upgraded ones is probably is probably based off of like the mclaren one which is the dual clutch where you can preload the one clutch and then you hold them both in you let one side out and then the other one you let out slowly and it takes like a it, it gets you off the line a bit better right and you were right greg that is carbon fiber i just read in there and i just read that too <laughs> Several okay. wheels have a carbon fiber look. The Porsche Ram has carbon fiber for the buttons that are attached. All right. Pretty cool if you are into the Fanatec stuff. Tony, what's next? Yeah, it looks like uh got some add-ons for the SimuCube. Um, these are done by Penguin RC. Uh, I guess that, that's even their website. Penguin, penguinrc.com, and um, 
it got, looks like you got some various options. Most are um, you know, like button box type add-ons, um, you know, various button setups and some dial setups. But they also have, um, looks like a, a wheel add-on or maybe so you build your own wheel and you attach this, this part to it. Offers uh, a, a couple of a couple of buttons and and uh, it looks like there's space for uh, paddles. I don't see the the shifter paddles there, so it looks like you got to do that part yourself. But um, I'm I'm not very familiar with the SimuCube and what it all what it all does for you. But well, it's a direct the, drive base. Yeah, yeah, that much I gathered. Um, but it looks like these various add-ons are quite reasonably priced in my eyes, anyways. Well, the only ones I've ever seen, really. I mean, SimiCube hasn't had add-ons that I've seen before until this. Uh, you know, it, it is kind of a DIY kind of wheel. And, um, and so this guy at Penguin RC has these uh, add-ons that, that are made specifically for that wheel, so... I'm guessing it's an American company. Uh, when you look at the bottom, it does say Finland, so I'm not sure who. Oh yeah, it does. At. But then under contact, it does have a User guy in California too. So who knows? But uh, okay, let's keep moving. David Hall, you're next. Sorry, I think I pressed the wrong button. Um, there's a post presenting a, a current version of a series participation visualizer. It allows you to insert a user script into the actual home page of every official series, which shows the participation stats. You can see the number of drivers, strength of field, uh, whether it's split or not, and so on. Uh, it looks pretty interesting because it goes into the main page, and you can kind of find what series to look for if you're wanting to find a place to to focus on improving your eye rating or where you might get get I have a, have a chance at getting the most points or just where you can actually find participation because some series you know don't have a lot of participation uh, at a glance I am curious whether or not they also have time zone stats because that might be interesting too for people who who race at different times uh, I might try to install this it does look interesting yes and and so it's for Google Chrome or Firefox. You have to have like Tamper Monkey, which will run a script. And this guy has a script. Now it's from three years ago, but I understand it still works. Now somebody on the team brought this up this week. I have not tried this particular one, but the author who is uh, Nick Thisson, um, I have tried his stuff in the past. He had a different script at one time. Uh, several years ago, there used to be a thing where there would be a check mark that you would have to check mark in the website to join the race automatically when the countdown timer uh, came on. Well, he well actually, there's a thing where that he created that made the check mark, and so you could ha you could like run this script and then you could check mark the box and it would auto join you to the race. You wouldn't have to click join, and I think he called it the auto join script. And so this is a different script that basically gives you stats about series participation when you click on a particular series. So on the website, you're going to get more information than 
iRacing you normally present. You're going to get, uh, like you said, the SOF, um, the uh, average part uh, participation per week, uh, and so forth. So yeah, why not try it? You know, scripts are safe. All right, let's keep going. I'm going to do this one. Fast Track Sims has uh, came out with their first video showing their new motion simulator called the P1R3. It's a 3DOF roll pitch and yaw full motion racing sim. And they put the uh, video on Instagram. And guys, this is like the ultimate sim because it's got the D-box kind of movement. And it's got the traction loss and slippage thing going on too. On Both of them combined. And this simulator sells for $22,750. I'm just going to get my credit card out right now, guys. I'll be purchasing this. This not. It, they, they call it an industry-first D-Box 3DOF motion system. Now, for that price, you get uh, triple 35-inch curved monitors, uh, remote mount steering shaft package, OSW direct drive steering system, uh, as, well, as well as all the motion stuff. I wonder what they actually cost them to build it if it's twenty-two grand. Yeah, do you think that's overpriced? It might be. I was kind of expecting to see a PC rolled into that uh, package as well, but I right. didn't see that. And I didn't see any pedals either. You know what the worst thing that I just read on there? It says it comes assembled. Could you imagine the shipping cost on that? So the Instagram video and whatnot indicates that they're building it uh, for a particular customer, and then once they've built it the first time, it's going to be a product that they're going to sell. You know, that's I'm kind sure of the impression I got. I'm sure that customer can is probably got the twenty two thousand uh, dollars. This is kind of weird. Like the the video was 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 pretty cool, and then you know you kind of float over to the website, and they, they they've got a they got a picture of what it looks like. Most you know. I'd say what 70% assembled. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like we've, we've looked at a lot of these motion rigs. Um, you know, this one just doesn't do much for me. Unfortunately, I just don't get that. Wow. This is cool. Did you guys no, take it, a you're look right. at, I, especially for that price? Did you take a look? I, this is the first time I've seen this. So I'm guessing, I was trying to figure out when you guys were saying it, the, the, the steering shaft, what the heck that was. But now I look at that one picture closely. It's an extension so that the actual mounted, um, the OSW unit is right it's where your below feet the pedals, are. Yeah. And then the shaft goes all the way up. Like, I wonder what the feeling of that gives that way. Yeah, if you go to their homepage and look at, at, at FastTrackSims.com, you'll see their other cockpit. Their main one is called the P1R, and we've talked about this one in the past. Yeah, now, you, you look at this one, 
like if you go to the, like their P1R, that that's a lot more reasonable price. I mean, I mean twenty eight hundred dollars, and it's but it's is it stationary? It's a station. It looks like it's a stationary cockpit. Oh yes, really? Twenty eight hundred dollars right. for a stationary cockpit. Yep, man. Either they are using some high-grade material that's expensive. I mean, it looks or, nice. Like, it's really nice looking, but but I just think that that's just overpriced. Yeah. And that's... To but did you see also the options that you can add to it? You imagine what the cost is after you put all that on. That's probably looking at a couple grand more. Well, I mean, there's a reason I haven't seen this sim on the forums very much, this particular one, Fast Track Sims, uh, because I yeah. don't think a lot of people have bought it, but... Yeah, it just... Yeah, even even that cheaper version really just doesn't do a whole lot for me, unfortunately. Let's keep moving. Brent. All right, we're here to um, some information on main performance and um, what's going to happen with them in their future. and. Um, I know there was some discussion, some rumors going around about what was happening with main performance PC. Were they shutting down? Were they expanding? What were they going to do with the Obedo, Obedo product? And um, main performance has come out and said that there's been significant change in their business over the past couple of years. Um, their main focus was the Obedo product back in 2012. That has since um, declined drastically, 2016, 2017, and even this year. And now that Obedo is. Um, distributing directly in the United States, main performance, that's no longer a viable income for main performance. So main performance now, they've got some investors that have come on board and they've created, um, or they're going to create main simulations LLC, which will focus on motion simulation technologies. Um, the owner said that he's in the process of interviewing engineers, designers, CAD engineers, and a software developer, and a CFO to get the things um, rolling. Also said they're looking at properties in the Memphis, Tennessee area here in the United States where they were going to build this. Now, I did just see a post. I can't remember if it was from Main Performance PC themselves or um, somewhere in the – I can't remember where I saw it exactly. There was actually a job ad for um, Main Solutions um, LLC. I think it was Facebook where I saw it in Memphis, Tennessee looking for um, – um, programmers and and builders so they're they're currently advertising in that area i can't remember how i got that advertisement up here but um because i live in wisconsin so i'm not exactly sure how that correlated but they are actively they have investors in both main simulations llc and main performance they're just kind of going down different avenues now as far as building gear and and what they're going to specialize in wow that's huge you asked the question, I think, last week, where, where, that uh, who's going to sell Obotos? Apparently, that they're just going to sell them themselves. Well, well, I mean, one thing he talks about in here is what happened to Obato is they never updated their product. Uh, the product I bought six years ago is the same product that they have today. It, they've never changed it, updated it, nothing. And so that company has kind of dwindled, obviously, since. So that's kind of something he mentioned about that. Yeah, and that um, the Oboto product was, if I read that right, that same article was was their main source of income with uh, main performance PC. So now that that the decline for that product has decreased with the innovation of you know eighty twenty sims and make your own sims, 
that income's just not there. It's not a viable income or a viable option to continue to sell that product. And if something hasn't changed since 2012, you really, there's really no point in keeping going with it. Well, what's interesting is that he, he's got investors who are, and he's starting a new company that's going to focus on motion products. I mean, that's yeah, this big. is going to be huge. This is going to be good. I mean, if he's so getting he, property and he's hiring people, I mean, he's got a real budget, guys. So he's investing back into his business. Yeah, and he is. actually had, it says in there, he had multiple investors come to him saying that they wanted to invest large amounts of money into this company. So clearly other people believe in him enough to do this. And I know the pro- the, pro- or the, um, the product that I have from him for my main computer is absolutely unbelievable. I haven't had an issue with it, and I'm extremely happy with it. He says, quote, I won't state how much the investment is, but I can say it is a high seven figures, which will afford us the ability to aggressively R&D and not have to worry about profit for about two years. Wow. Well, good for him. Good for him. I mean, you never hear a bad thing about that guy. So, um, yeah, look forward to seeing what he comes up with. When you're doing R&D, you don't want to have to be worrying about money, I guess. And that's a really good way to do it, I guess. Okay, and then I'm going to say this too. I'm going to read this as a as for main performance PC, a separate investment of 10 million is being made. This will allow us to heavily market our business, move into a facility large enough to handle the estimated three to four hundred systems per month. We could be assembling with the marketing budget we plan on using. Look out, big guys! There's soon to be a new big player in town. Wow! So somebody obviously really sees a value in this company. Now, uh, the final uh, few part of this, he says, my health has also taken a turn for the better. I'm officially in remission now from pancreatic cancer. I still have some biopsies to be done, uh, et cetera, et cetera. My treatments are now using immunology rather than chemo. And so it sounds like he's doing better as far as that goes. So So is this like... uh... You know, he's got a re- new renew new look on life. Obviously, there's now in remission, and he's just trying to revitalize maybe his business too. Well, when somebody comes up to you with a high seven-figure check, yeah. Pancreatic cancer is also one of the one of the worst, most lethal cancers. That's quite amazing. Okay, final topic uh, is. Uh, a listener, John Fowler, sent this over to us today. It's called the Lenovo Explorer headset for Windows. And he indicated in the message he sent to me that he had a friend who was saying good things about this. Have you guys heard of this? It's $138 on Amazon. It looks like an Oculus Rift. It looks like a, you know, a, t- a smaller version of it. That's cheap. That, uh, as a band director who sees how uh, sees what happens when cheap instruments come in way way underpriced, it makes me nervous about warranty. I don't know much about Lenovo other than they put out some cheap laptops as well. Um, the price actually does make me nervous, but it, it could be a good steal for that price range. Yeah, it does sound cheap. That's the feeling I get when I look at this Amazon page and. As I scroll down and look at what it says and everything, 
Uh, would this even work on iRacing? I have no idea. So, I had a there's a guy that I used to race with. He uses a Windows for I don't know if it's this, but there's a a Windows based headset that he uses or VR uh, that he uses. I can't remember the name of it, but um, I don't know. He said he swore by it that it worked really well with iRacing. So. Any of the VR sets, basically, all once you have a game that's actually rendered in 3D, it's really easy to render the same thing from from two different locations that are about the same distance as an eye, because that's all it has to do. It's not, and so coming up doing two 3D projections is that's particular part is not too difficult. So the resolution is two uh, 2880 by 1440. What is that? compared to the other ones uh, on the market right now. That's not bad. I, I I don't know specifically how it compares, but it doesn't sound like that's low. I'd have to look up my stats on my Oculus if you'd like me to. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if it would work. If anybody knows, let us know. And uh, I have not seen anything on the forums about this particular product, but it right, seems to have some pretty strong reviews on Amazon, but yeah, other than that. The Rift runs 1080 by 1200. So it's better than that. All right, check it out if you're into VR, guys. Let's get into final thoughts. Brent McCoy. Yeah, I just... um. I want to give a correction on the iPitting software that we gave last week. After doing some research, we made the we um during that broadcast we made the comment that we couldn't find the NIS open or fixed series, and there was another series that we could not find. Um, those series are available in iPitting. So if you're a team manager and you want to see how your team did throughout the year, what you have to do is you have to pay the ten dollar um, United States Pro license to get that through iPitting, and that that is there and that uh, that license is good for an entire year. So I'm currently right now, but I bought that for team to focus. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to dig with it, see how everyone's stats line up. And um, from a team manager perspective, this is, I think this is going to be extremely helpful. So just wanted to pass that along to our viewers. That's cool. You'll have to post up some screenshots and stuff of what you're seeing so we can see it. All right, cool. Greg Hector's final thought. Uh, just, been a long week i'm looking forward to trying to get some racing done this weekend uh apologize to the team i haven't been around much this week but uh it was good to be on the show and uh you know gotta work a lot right now but uh we'll see if i can get some streaming done uh anybody wants to follow me once again you can go to frozen uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus frozen with two o's cactus two k's and watch when i race but thanks for having me tonight guys all right, very good. Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, um, had a fun time racing some IMSA this past week at Daytona, getting some laps in in preparation for the 24 hours. So uh, excited to keep on racing here over the break. All right, very good. And Tony Gross, final thoughts. Yeah, I uh, took almost a complete break from oval other than other than uh racing with the old bastards and uh start focus on some road so i was running uh skippies and i i did a bunch of them i had to get my license up so i could run the uh 24-hour daytona even step foot on on the track in the in the car that we're going to run for the 24 hours and had a lot of fun with that um 
Those skippies are they're really neat. I, I really enjoyed myself doing that, and I, I think I may uh, be running a bunch more of those um, in the off-season anyhow. But, uh, getting ready for that 24 hours of Daytona. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, get the I rating up. All right, David Hall, final thought. Uh, my teammates helped me set up uh, streaming as well. I stream on YouTube, but I set up a short link. It's at bit.ly slash halltube. And uh, I've been having fun getting that up there. It's kind of mostly there so teammates who are away from their main computer can can peek in and see how things are going. I will probably be streaming when when we do the 24 uh, and having a blast there. I am going to be away for a while, probably podcast-wise, because I did sign up to sing in a musical this that's going to be on in February. And a lot of our rehearsals will be on Thursday nights. Uh, that will limit some of my racing time, too. Uh, but I am looking forward to that. And I do want to say one more thing about just racing. We may get into a little bit more in depth in the NIS racing, but I've noticed, I, I've noticed it a, a few times when I was running at Daytona and this week I've been running at Monza and it just, it's just blowing my mind how every single race we get in. And, uh, Mike was watching me this, this afternoon, how many people wrecked out in the first two laps of the Monza race. It, it's blowing my mind how people go into a 45 minute race with the mentality that they have to win it on the first lap. And that's what causes so many problems in NIS too. I just like to employ everybody to, to think about the fact that you can finish better if you don't race like a psycho in the first lap. <laughs> uh, and then one more thing I, I did pick up a, a win at Daytona. In fact, the fir- very first race at, at uh, Daytona, I did pick one up when IMSA was there. Yeah, you're an animal over there running all those IMSA races, and it's been my amusement to actually watch the beginning of those races because not once do they get through the turn one, lap one without somebody going off, getting wrecked, and and a lot of times uh, you're actually caught up in those, David, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of times whether I finish well or not has to do with where I, whether I get caught up in it. And I last night both times I got caught up in early stuff. So you probably saw it when I and it's on my stream as well. Uh, there was a mess happening. I didn't qualify very well. It was it was I was in like car number twenty four and I qualified twenty fifth or something. And there was a pile up in turn one, and I was like, I'm just bailing out of this. I took I just bailed out of the chicane and took a five minute slowdown and let a few people go and. Um, got through all of that only to spend myself halfway through the race. I still, still finished like 23rd. Yeah. Yep. All right. And uh, very good. My final thoughts is, uh, boy, I've been kind of racing everything. I've been doing a lot of carb cup, pickup cup, and Delara dash. And those are fun to switch between. Uh, I actually did some rally cross, uh, uh, and I actually won a rally cross race uh, in my first attempt uh, going back into that car. And so I had a lot of fun doing that. I've had some fun watching other teammates uh, run. Uh, I've actually joined the OBRL. I was going to run with them last night. I went into the practice uh, 45 minutes before the race started. I figured that would be plenty early enough because I don't practice much. And guess what? The room was full and I couldn't run. So I guess I got to get there earlier. But, uh, yeah, just enjoying my off time and, uh, and running, you know, a bunch of different stuff for fun. So uh, that's what the off-season's all about, and I've been enjoying it. So, And with that, I guess we'll see you later.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.